This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Hey guys, so welcome back. Uh, yeah, how are you are, doing? Uh, yeah, it's, what is this week? I can't even <laughs> tell what week we're in. I don't even know anymore. No, I've totally lost track. How are you guys holding up? I, I have definitely lost track of everything. There's sort yeah. of there, a lot. A lot of people are calling, like saying day thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty. Mm. I, I don't know when. I mean, I get, I get that everyone's sort of <clears throat> lockdown date, if you will, is different from different cities. But like, right. I just, I hate, I hate keeping track of it. I'm just like, th- that just brings more anxiety to me. Yeah, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I've, I've, I think you guys have told both of you guys about how I've decided to treat myself under the coronavirus. I'm drinking as much as I used to, which is I always give myself 12 drinks a week, but I am now eating cake <laughs> every single night. Mm. Every single night I'm going, well, not every single night I'm going to Ralph's, but when I go to Ralph's, I stock up on individually packaged slices of cake made in their bakery. Mm. I'm a big fan of grocery store bakeries. And so I'm having cake every night and that's the only thing getting me through my life right now. Um, do you know, do you bake at all? No, 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 I don't have the pans. I don't have, I, I've never bought flour <laughs> in my life. I don't have flour at home. I recently so wanted right to buy flour. But yeah. Yeah. I've been there with bake. you. My boyfriend's been making food and baking and oh, he's wow. like, why do you, he's like, Where, do you have any pots? And I'm like, I think so. I, yeah, I'm just like Brent. I'm right, like I don't know. Right, right. I I do a lot of baking. I have I have a. I oh, you made a, you made a banana a, a banana bread that looked delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm a pretty good baker. I mean, my mom was a professional baker, and so like it kind of runs in the family. I know how to. Yeah. I know how to whip it up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, are you like, are you, cause I feel like everyone's kind of doing that. I've had everyone. I'm not doing it like other people. Like, cause I, I, I find a lot of people are just sort of finding themselves through baked goods. And I'm just like, bitch, I have found myself through a baked good years ago. <laughs> yeah, right, like I didn't right, need a Corona right. to tell me the, how good of a baked good was, how good cookies uh, are. Right. Yeah. I didn't need that. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do love that people are finding health or sort of healthy ways to, yeah. to sort of get through. I, I will say I am finding that there is sort of this anxiety level that I've been having recently, um, sort of a melancholy anxiety level yeah. where like, I feel very on one hand, very stressed and busy almost. And then on another hand, I feel lost and have nothing to do. Oh yeah. Well, that's most of my life, but I I've actually noticed that personally, <laughs> personally, like my anxiety has decreased and I, that isn't to say that I'm not being as vigilant as possible, but like, you know, a month ago I was like waking up in the middle of the night. And if I was sweating, I would, I remember running to the bathroom once thinking I, that means I have a fever. I'm sweating. I have a fever. That means I have it. I have, you know, coronavirus. And so that has definitely reduced uh, which is, I think, ultimately a good thing. I, yeah. I, I would like to not be extraordinarily anxious for six months or, or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it still doesn't mean like I'm enjoying this time. I, I find I, my anxieties are less about catching sort of COVID-19. I, I, I really, I'm so vigilant in sort of how I practice and what I do and not going outside. Like, I'm very good about that. So I, yeah. I, I don't fear so much getting it. I fear more so... Um, something else happening that then will make it difficult to handle. Like, like, you know, if I, if, if, if I get sick or if I get a heart attack or if I get in a car Mm. accident or like something else happens that then exposes me. And it's, it's sort of that level of of anxiety is 
that thought process is in my head a lot. Like, oh yeah, I can't, I don't want to go to the emergency room. I don't want to call yeah. a maintenance person if my car shuts down. I don't want to like all of these things. Like, I don't want to do them because uh, I don't want to come in touch. Like the first, like like maybe the second week or something, out of the blue, my computer's internet didn't work for like an hour, and I couldn't connect to my phone. I couldn't connect to my router. And this this is the kind of thing that like they always send a guy to your house. But this was first of all, you don't want a guy in your house, you know, at the time and all these things. And I swear to God, I was ready to start crying. I was I was like, I cannot deal with this. I can't. And it turns out I just had to restart my computer. It was fine. But like, <laughs> it was it was just well, like this moment of just like this cannot be happening. Well, it to feels right like now. those things, even though they would be small bumps in quote-unquote normal times right now everyone I, th- I think at least if I'm speaking for for myself and what you're going through it's like the slightest the slightest like um ailment or technological snafu or just you know something with your car just the slightest thing could lead to a panic attack because mm-hmm. how do you how do you fix things you know including your body in mm-hmm. a time where nothing's nothing's open no, you know it, it's it's just yeah. that that to me is the eerie part the sort of feeling like i'm constantly on a tightrope and know? and like not having like my mom my mom has lupus and she she felt like she had like like bronchitis happening and it was sort of one of those moments where i was like i don't want my mom going to a hospital at all i don't want my mom going anywhere yeah. near a hospital right now it's the last right. thing i want and the doctor prescribed her and then she got it through the mail prednisone um and that just makes her more susceptible to catching something, you know, if Mm. she does go outside and it's that anxiety, the level of anxiety that I have over that is like insane because I can't really just get on a plane and go to her. That's the part that's, that's yeah. That's the part that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, if it makes you feel any better, we can complain about Lindsey Graham being a huge gay (laughs) one. So yeah. Well, uh, so, okay. So author and former child actress, Quinn Cummings. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lindsey Graham. I was like, get it, girl. (laughs) What a career. What if if it turns out, what if it turns out he was Shirley Temple? Uh, Oh my God. She transitioned into Lindsey Graham. Uh, <laughs> oh man! So okay, so Quinn Cummings is an author and a former child actress with the Academy Award nominated mm-hmm. actress. Oh really? For what yeah. movie? I don't the even. Good, I never... The Goodbye Girl with Marsha Mason oh. and Richard Dreyfuss. I wasn't mm. familiar with her, but she's on Twitter, and um, there was a tweet from CNN Politics about Lindsey Graham saying Democratic challenger Lindsey, uh, sorry, Democratic challenger Jamie Harrison outraised. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham in the first quarter of 2020. And Quinn, <laughs> Quinn wrote, probably not the first time a black man topped him. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, and, and Harrison uh, uh, raised, you know, 7.2 million over Graham's 5.6 million, according to the right. story. But anyway, the point of the story is that obviously this, this got some, you know, this got some traction. And um, a lot of people on Twitter responded, you know, laughing and LOL and stuff. There were obviously, as expected, a, there was a lot of blowback and just right. some quotes that I picked up were, let's not, what, let's not weaponize sexual orientation no matter how vile he is. Can we not do homophobia? I hate Lindsay, but this is gross, tired, unfunny, and homophobic. So I'm curious what you guys think about when, when and if it's okay to make jokes about Lindsey Graham clearly being this was this was tough because I love making fun of Lindsey Graham it's easy to do it's it's very easy easy to do as you guys know and as the listeners know I'm also not averse to using the word faggot occasionally (laughs) I'm I think maybe a little less sensitive uh, than some individuals on Twitter Um, but there's also of course there's a consistency I mean not that anyone's keeping track of my you know philosophies but like I don't know it's I guess I have a spreadsheet. If I was to be consistent, I I should I should say we should shy away from appalling jokes like that. But at the same time, I don't I don't give a fuck. I wouldn't you know I wouldn't. I I, I found it gross and dumb. It was it the joke wasn't funny, and it it used race in a way that sort of uh, sort of as an expense to the joke, and it it it's sort of like. That was the part that was, yeah, very. Yeah, it just it it felt it felt very just like 
Yeah. You clearly only have an Oscar nomination. You've done nothing else to accelerate your talent since then. Um, it oh, just, Alan's it was, mad. It, I am. I am. And it's not so much because Lindsey Graham is, I have no, I, I, I will make fun of him until the day he is gone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no problem right. making fun of him. I don't necessarily make fun of him for the assumption that he may or may not be gay or bi or queer or whatever. Like, I, I just, I feel like that is also like a fart joke. It's like, it's, 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 it's bathroom humor and it does nothing. It doesn't, it's not funny. It's like, there's, I feel like we should get beyond the day of just sort of like, Oh, you might be gay. Let's make a joke. And the, and then use it as the expense. And sure. Lindsey Graham, rightfully, we, this, is something, this is something he is a hypocrite in that he has voted for legislation that has adversely impacted the LGBTQ community. That is true. And that is something that you can make fun of him for. You definitely can yeah. yeah, I think with Lindsay, it's like he's an old white guy who's just kind of like, it feels like cruised through, oh, cruised, there you go. But yeah. like kind of just, you know, uh, um, cruised through the system. And and I know, Brent, you were saying too that like the thing that really seemed to really bug you about him was the way that he turned uh, from being so close with John yeah. McCain to being a Trump supporter. You know, so Lindsey Graham. And ardent Trump supporter too. Ardent, yeah. So Lindsey Graham um, is, I think, Probably a lot of people know, maybe not everyone. I mean, he he did have a decent reputation for yeah. being somewhat independent-minded. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about progressive, but independent-minded for, a, minded for, for a, a Republican from a very yeah. conservative red state. Yeah. And I remember, I don't think he did vote against the federal marriage, marriage amendment, but mm-hmm. there was rumors in back in 03 or 04, whenever that was happening, that he might vote against it. To stress, he did not. He voted for the federal marriage amendment. Mm-hmm. His voting record on gay rights is bad. But he had this, yeah, he had this this reputation for being somewhat open-minded. And then John McCain dies, and he just instantly just flocks to Donald Trump. He and becomes a turncoat, yeah. He becomes absolute turncoat. Not only does yeah. he go from being vaguely independent-minded um, at least the, the kind of Republican you can say, okay, this guy, I, I can respect what he has to say, even if he's going to often agree with a Republican president, which Republicans are going to do regardless of whether it's Donald Trump or whomever. Uh, but then Lindsey Graham has basically just become an absolute lackey. I mean, just, yeah. a, just a, a total turncoat. And, and I think that's, that's what makes me really hate Lindsey Graham is that yeah. I just, I, I just, I can't personally wrap my head around I heard him in an interview once say, you know, he likes, he literally said this, I think it was on the daily or something, but he likes attention. And he's like, you know, who gets the oh, most attention? Wow. wow. He said and that. He I mean, does. he did. Every politician likes attention. Yeah. You want attention yeah. for your state because yes. you're representing your state. But you and also, there is a fame element to a lot of people who are in political, political office. He, he right unnerves now. me when I see him interviewed because he does that. He, he's very good at uh, remaining calm in a way that to me feels sort of like patronizing or it, something about it is very obnoxious to me. But for me, the moment that made me really truly despise him was when he put on that um, monologue, I guess you could call it in the, at the Kavanaugh hearings mm, where yeah. he got up, he was so angry and he's screaming. And I'm like, you really are a piece of shit. Like you well, don't this, have to do this. This tweet came at the same time that, like so many men in uh, Morocco were getting outed in sort of a similar oh, yeah. capacity. And, and, and uh, do you know about this, Brent? Yeah, by a, tra- no. by a trans... There was a trans um, woman who's very popular, or was, I should say, because her, 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 her account got banned. But she was, um, she was basically just trying, she says, to highlight the hypocrisy of Moroccan sort of anti-LGBTQ laws, mm-hmm. which ban homosexuality and sex outside the marriage and all kinds of other bad things. And, um, and, and by saying, you know, download Grindr and see all the gay men in your area. And what then that what happened then was people were downloading Grinder and looking and sh- get, and sort of uh, catfishing to get pictures of men in the area and then posting those pictures on Facebook and thus outing them at a time when many of these men were under quarantine with their families who didn't know they were gay and then now have been pushed out into the streets. Oh Jesus! And, and horrible, it's right? Horrible. And and the the sort of like sick privileged nature that a lot of, I think, straight people or people who, you know, who are in the majority like this. I don't know Quinn's story. I don't know her background. I don't know if she's queer. I don't know any of that, but she's a white person who, who 
could flippantly say a joke about John or about Lindsey Graham and have it be what it is. And it's just sort of like, I'm not saying that Lindsey Graham's going to have any problems coming to him if he gets outed or anything like he's going to be fine. Like Lindsey Graham is fine and he's a monster in a lot of ways. But that said, this culture of outing, even if someone is a monster, is just gross, and I think we should be above it. I have a question. Is this joke homophobic? I think it's, I think it's racist. Um, I sure. do. I think, but, I think, and I do think it is, uh, I do think it, there's a level of homophobia laced in it because it does use homophobia or even sex with another man as a means of shaming somebody. Yeah, I think it's the same. I think the same thing. But honestly, for me, it's like, he's such a douche that I, my, my like moral meter kind of, you know, goes haywire. But I do, th- I'm, the more cringy element of it to me is not the homophobic version, but it's the, it, it feels so grossly racist the way mm, yeah. she positions him as this yeah. white yeah. bottom to a black top. And I'm like, lady, you know, back up. That, that, yeah, that's that's back sticky. Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just, I've never liked, even when, you know, before Anderson Cooper came out, there was this big campaign to get Anderson Cooper to come oh, out yeah. because it was so important to have representation on CNN from a journalist. And it's like, I don't give a fuck if he's gay or not. I don't care. I, I, I'm, I want him to report the news. That's all I want him to do. Like, I do wonder I, though why Lindsey Graham hasn't been, I mean, hasn't been outed or pushed well, out of the closet in some well, way think, or another. I, I think because he's probably not gay. I think he's probably very much one of those politicians like there, there have been many politicians in history who they never got married. They, they worked all the time. I don't know. I oh, that's, see. That's interesting. I don't think he's gay to be honest. You're 100% entitled to that opinion. I would, I would largely disagree. Uh, we've discussed how my gaydar is not the best. I, I, I guess for me, when it comes for me, the bigger red flag is power hungry people like Lindsey Graham, even if gay or not, usually, I would imagine would want to have some kind of sham marriage because he's, he, he ran for Senate and in South Carolina, you usually want to run for Senate with a wife by your side or perhaps a child or two. And so I guess that's sort of just stereotypically. That's that's what makes me think he's not because he, it's, it's very easy to have a sham marriage and to, to put on a fake, you know, fake appearance to the world. And the fact that he hasn't done that tells me he doesn't feel like he needs to do that. He doesn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, he's so power hungry that he's able to slide by because he's, I I mean, he is a very smart politician. I will give him that. He has weathered a lot of storms and he's been around for a long time. Well, do you think the joke is homophobic? Elliot, we'll let, but real quick, Elliot, can you get Lindsey Graham on the phone and we can ask him if he's gay or not? (laughs) You fisted him, right? You fisted him. Not even joking. We have our very first repeat guest. We have debated over this. We've talked about this. And I am so excited that we have decided that our first repeat guest should be Barack Danny. Obama. Oh, God. <laughs> Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Podcast. Thank you, Danny. Thank yeah. you, boys. I'm so happy to be chatting with you again. And I'm honored yeah. to be the first repeat. Danny, I feel like Alan, who is the um, master of social media for uh, You're Making It Worse, is constantly telling us how often people will ask specifically about you. Yeah. Probably yeah. more than any other guest we've had, I think. Oh, my God, really? That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. We get I lots. Love, that's so nice. We get, there's, lots, was there's a lot of crossover between Everything Iconic and, and our pod, your podcast or our podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's so great. Yeah, I mean, I have said this. I say this often. I think you are one of the funniest people online. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. With the, <laughs> you guys are so sweet. Your Instagram you. is just like a, a curated perfection of just like humor and 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 reality tv content and absurdity and i just i i can't tell mm-hmm. people enough to go follow you yeah your well, sense of you. humor is thank like you. it you just cross it's just this perfectly like millennial but skewing a little older you know like hey. el- elder millennial hey. <laughs> it's definitely a little it definitely skews older and i wish you guys would tell yeah. this to my mother because she doesn't understand yeah. like not one thing i post online oh wow <laughs> not one meme it's pastiche. all over oh i mean well, she, I, I, yeah 
I think the best thing you do is your AOL blog. That's probably my favorite of all the things that you do. It's so good, beautifully curated. I mean, the log on time, it takes a little while. Once you get to the blog, we're great. It's great. You mentioned AOL. And can I ask you guys, have you noticed that there's still people in this year that have AOL email addresses in it? It never fails to make me Uh, laugh. It always makes me laugh. Danny, Danny, can I tell you a fact that's going to blow your mind? I found out that until two years ago, my parents were still sending a check to AOL. Uh, an actual check. A physical so check. An actual physical check to AOL corporate headquarters so they could, quote, log into the internet still. <laughs> that makes sense. I'm not, I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it blows. And, and I look, I get that, like, if you've had the same email address, which is my parents' first first names combined since 1996. I, I get that like, you, you know, why go, why to go to Gmail now, but AOL, I believe it's the only email I've ever heard of where, um, they delete your emails unless you save them still. Maybe not anymore, but I know for a while my mom was like, if I don't print an email, it just disappears. I don't know, but they definitely, I mean, AOL's like big, they still have like, I think it was Dave Holmes who was saying something about AOL and how they have yeah. like thousands of, of users still. Well, I used to, to work there. Oh, yeah. I used to yeah. work there blogging. And, well, you, you, yeah, you work there. I mean, we're talking about the generation of AOL people who signed up in like the late 90s. No, and what had, I'm saying is that those people, the reason that AOL still exists is because of people like Brent's yeah. parents who don't know yeah. Oh, yeah. that they don't They're need to pay. They're just paying the bill. Yeah. 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 Do you remember the CDs? Last time oh, I was sure. home, my parents had yes. like a box of like the free hours. I'm like, what are you guys doing with this? You're, you're not going to use the free hours from 98. <laughs> <laughs> three hours wow do you remember do you remember the porn that like you would well maybe you guys weren't as into it as i was but you would find like uh like a pick page that would take hours to load oh yeah like 20 minutes to load and i would just like aol you know aol type like or search like jonathan taylor thomas or something jonathan and thomas. Jonathan, or like just like shirtless and like that was that was it that was all you needed and you would find like three pictures and you would print them out did you guys print them out yeah <laughs> I remember, yes i did i did actually i remember I my parents found a, a printed out picture of tony danza in like a towel and they were wow. like what's this from and i was like oh it's a book report or something and it's like what that is so <laughs> no i funny. definitely printed out porn i also remember like do you remember how the had the AOL, um, the usernames that you could look up, you know what I mean? And I remember, this is going to make it dark now, but I remember after Matthew Shepard died, you could look up his username and his like AOL profile. And I remember like doing that and being sort of just like, just shocked. Like that, that oh, the, for sure. The intimacy of like seeing someone who had yeah. just died and then seeing yeah. their like AOL profile and the things that like, I forget what the even categories were on it, but like it had like a list of like 10 things that you put about yourself. I got to say, look, I I was just going to say, we didn't have AOL proper. We had like, I had AOL instant messenger downloaded and my parents refused to pay for the AOL. So we just had Netscape (laughs) navigator. And then I remember going to (laughs) friends houses and I was always so jealous. Like they had the full AOL experience and I never did. Right. Yeah. We we had the full, we had the full AOL experience. and, And I remember spending a lot of time. On AOL. I mean, mm-hmm. just and then of course you transition yeah. into AIM. Like when you get your mm-hmm. other, you download AIM, oh, yeah. and that became the primary source. Wait, of what's AOL. everyone's? I want to know everyone's uh, screen name on AIM. Like, what was your? Do you remember? Oh, I remember well, mine. Tub Thumper thirteen. I remember mine because oh I still use it as uh, as a screen name on everything. So I can't give it out because other, otherwise you would find. <laughs> All of the disgusting comments I've written on like porn message boards, so I can't I can't share it here. But Elliot, what was yours? Why are you leaving uh, comments on porn message boards? Well, because I have some issues, Alan. <laughs> because I have some issues. My screen name was um, "Life Begins at 80 because oh, my whole brother. bit was that I was oh, like wow. elderly. <laughs> oh my god! I love. Oh that. wow! Wait, that was your bit. Yeah, through college, I was like, I'm old. I like, I'm like an old person. I, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. What about you, wow. Danny? That is pretty impressive. Mine was really boring. I remember thinking when I was in middle school or creating it in high school, I, it was just Pellegrino 48. And I remember like telling my friends, like, we're yeah. going to have this for life. Like, I want to make sure I can have it for life, which is so lame of me. But that was like where my mind was. Did you curate so your funny. AOL profile or aim away messages with a specific, you know, aesthetic. 
Yeah, you know, I don't know about aesthetic, but I always probably had like an Avril Lavigne quote or something. Right, right. You know, I always yeah. had a quote up. <laughs> yes, something, something moderately emo. Right. Yeah. Well, like the lyrics to Skater Boy or something were just on my. Oh, brother. <laughs> so I remember when that. Oh, no. Go, sorry. Go ahead. Um, Alan. Go ahead. No, you please go. No, no, we don't need an Avril Lavigne tangent. Go ahead. Alan. <laughs> well, don't we, though? Sorry. Don't we? <laughs> I think I think you can just go to one of Elliot's shows for an Avril Lavigne. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's, that's right. right. Did you guys Grand ever see butter. the photos? I'm going to take an Avril tangent for just a second. <laughs> Did you ever see the photos of her meet and greets? She's always like 10 feet apart from the person. Like, she doesn't like. Oh the people God. come close. So I saw someone post online, like she's always been social distancing. That's like, very smart. Every single one is like six feet away from her. I mean, that's how that's I would be if so I was funny. her. I don't want anyone touching me half the time. Unless I know, unless you can text me, don't touch me. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That, she, she knew, uh, she knew, maybe it's a Canadian thing. She's always known. Ahead yeah. of her time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truly. Terms are on the horizon. Well, Danny, since you were first on the podcast very early on, your podcast has exploded, whereas ours has stayed pretty, um, you know, moderate. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty consistent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we love slow it. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. You know, we're, yeah. it's at, slow and steady wins the race. Hey, That's life right. starts at 80, right, Elliot? That's um, right. So, uh, <laughs> so you have had, I mean, you've been on, you, you've bartended on Watch What Happens live or next what the fuck is it called that's what happens live, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens live. and andy cohen live yeah, yeah andy cohen or whatever it is and you've you've co-authored the book fancy as fuck cocktails and like you've done a lot of shit over the i guess year two years how long has it been i don't know like congrats it's thank incredible you. thank you has there been one person that you or a guest that you've had on the show or done something with whether it's a housewife or somebody tangential that's just been a, been mind blowing for you. Yeah. The, actually within the past couple of weeks, I've had like a lot of like really good guests that I kind of worshiped as a kid. And, and still to this day, I had Fran Drescher on, which was, mm-hmm. and Elliot, you worked with her. On. I did. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, she was so wonderful. And, and so that was really exciting for me. And I have actually worked with her as well, but in a mm-hmm. very different situation with her cancer schmancer organization. <laughs> We did a, a bicycling event together where we did not bicycle at all. She was done up to the nines, as was I, and everyone else was sweating. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. She, I mean, she's done so much so much great work for Cancer Schmancer. And I had like all these questions, of course, like about Beautician and the Beast and the mm-hmm. Nanny and stuff like that. And then, uh, but she is such a chatterbox in the best way. It was like, I just, she just was talking for an hour and I was just listening. And so that was really fun. And then uh, Katie Kirk's on my show this week. And that was kind of wild oh for God. me. Um, and, uh, and, and Kathy and Jimmy was, was on last week, I think. And I just love her. And I thought it, it was like one of the best chats I've had. Like I didn't expect to just like, did you ask about Hocus Pocus? Yeah, we like talked about Hocus Pocus and uh, and Sister Act, but then also we just like kind of talked about like lifestyle. At one point, I cried to her and like, oh, but wow. it it wasn't because of it was just like a we had a deep conversation and and it wasn't expected. Like when she came on, I just it was it was like a pleasant surprise. I loved her so much. So there's been a lot of people and Marsha Gay Harden was wild to talk to. I, I don't know. Wow. I, love an, old, I love an older race, woman man. celebrity. Oh, every every <laughs> single gay person does. Every single gay person. Right. Uh, she, she's a huge drag race fan. Did you know that? Yeah, she yeah. like massive. Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, it's kind of insane. And she's best friends with um Cameron Mannheim. And I was doing Nikki. <laughs> yeah, no, wait. I was doing Nikki Glazer's. Your um, listeners are like, who are they talking I know, about? I know. <laughs> I was doing Nikki Glazer's uh Sirius XM show. I forget what it's called now. You and up. You up. Yeah, thank you. And uh Cameron Mannheim's son. I don't know his name. Milo. I know Milo. Milo. He, oh, you, oh my he's God. jerking <laughs> off to Milo, Cameron Manheim's son. He gets off right. to Cameron Manheim birthing a son. Um, uh, but he was sitting next to me and I didn't know who he was. I didn't connect the last name at all. And so I was talking as if this 12 year old next to me was important. Didn't know who he is. And then he says that Cameron's his mom. I flipped the fuck out. I I talked I, I had to talk about Marsha Gay Harden. Apparently, I think he, like she's his godmother or something, and like all of these things. Like I was freaking out about Cameron Manheim. His son, her son doesn't really matter, but Cameron does. He matters. Marsha Gay, Gay's um, Marsha Gay's son is uh, does drag, I believe, and oh. uh, and so I think that's the connection. Um, he's a, a young gay kid, and 
I was asking, I was like, did he ever see first wives club? Cause she plays the therapist mm-hmm. in that. And she said, he's never seen. It. And I was like, oh, you have a gay son who's never seen yeah, first what? wives club. Like that was blasphemous to me. Yeah. Her, so. her, I love following Marsha on Instagram. She, mm-hmm. her Instagram is so funny, but I'm laughing because I realized that initially when you said Marsha Gay Harden, I pictured Marsha Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, actually <laughs> know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'd love to interview her too. She wants to come on my show. I'd love <laughs> I was like, Marsha Clark's a drag race fan. Okay. Does, she, does Marsha Gay Harden introduce herself as Academy Award winner, Marsha Gay Harden, everywhere she goes? Because I have a feeling she would do that at Starbucks. Mm. I would do it if I was her. I mean, I, I kept saying that throughout the whole time. It, uh, yeah, I love her. Yeah. Did you watch, Danny, did you watch the morning show? I did. Yes. I, you know, I thought it was, I didn't think it was like perfect. It was like messy to me, but I thought I enjoyed watching it, but it was messy. Marsha Gay's in that and she's great in it. And, um, I thought Jennifer Aniston was really, really good in it, but I didn't, I thought Reese was like very miscast. Um, did you guys watch it? No, No. I watched it. I have the same reaction. I just thought it was funny because, and Alan, you'll like this. Marsha plays this like very, um, sassy, uh, very, uh, sort of, uh, um, uh, she's an investigative reporter for the times who's covering morning shows and they play it, it out. They like do that in the times. It's a hot beat. I guess so. And the way Marsha plays it is so um, campy, right, Danny? Yeah. It's mm. like very over the top. I felt like the whole show seemed to not know what it was exactly. But at yeah. the same time, I like, I loved watching every moment of the so show. I, yeah. It was just like, it was admittedly like very messy, but the weird thing uh, about it to me was that the morning show that they're doing is, I think it's supposed to be the today show, but it looks like CBS this morning and feels like the Truman show. Like I'm like, no morning show looks like that. <laughs> I start, I start every single day with Gail King and it's the most calming thing I can do. Yeah, right. I love yeah. Alan. You know I love a talk show. You yeah. know I I hate this sounds name drop you or whatever. But I when I interviewed Katie Couric, I asked her about morning show. Does she get out of bed she, anymore? It seems like she's always in bed, <laughs> Instagramming from her bed all the fucking time. <laughs> she's, you know she's what I don't know. Yeah, but she <laughs> she um, talked a little bit about, it and she basically said what we're saying, Elliot. She's like, you know, it was you know a little messy. And I, I found it very interesting, though, because I think Jennifer Aniston might have said or at one point that it was based on her. I don't know. Well, um, speaking of morning but, television, yeah. there there is one thing I do want to talk to you about. And this is specifically for Danny and I. Sorry, Are we going to talk about The View? Uh, no, oh, okay. no, no. But we can. We certainly can. because <laughs> I'm. I, we will eventually. We will, it sure, always comes yeah. up on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but we recently had an exchange, a very brief exchange with gay icon Kathy Lee Gifford. Um, mm. And I wanted to know, has she been on your podcast? And do you know her personally after using Everyone's Got a Story um, on your <laughs> on your social media obsessively? I'll tell you, I've tried really hard to get her on the show. I would love to. I actually just recently sent a message like through her personal website. Like she has a mm-hmm. website and I, it had a contact form. So I sent it that way. I had also, I think, reached out to a publicist at one point. Um, I have not been able to get her on, but I would love to. I did have one very memorable like Saturday morning on Twitter where her and I were tweeting about First Wives Club, going back to that, because she had a cameo in that yeah, at, the yeah, end. Yeah. at the end. And it, it was one of my favorite wow. like Saturday mornings of my entire life. Like we were, I was talking to her about the cameo. Like she just kept responding. Was this under quarantine? Telling, no, this was, I mean, this was probably almost two years ago or something. Oh, okay. It was a long, long time ago, but, uh, I kept coming back with a question. She was like, oh, it was really cold on set that day. And then Goldie said this was to me. Like, she kind of answered us. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'd love well, to know why she moved to Nashville. Well, because she's, she's, she's walking in the light of Jesus. It says it on her, her Twitter profile. <laughs> but why Nashville? Because Nashville is the city of Jesus, Elliot. She's it also is. doing a he lot was, of music. He was born there, there I think. Yeah, I mean, no, I bet Tennessee, I mean, it is a very sort of like... Christian state. I mean, it's a great state. Memphis is a great, Nashville's a great city. Memphis is a great city, but it is a very Christian. I mean, it's a Christian. It's yeah, the Brent, she's, she's, I, Brent, I know for, for some reason, I know for a fact that she's from California, but yeah. also mm. to explain to our viewers and Brent, what um, Alan meant by everyone has a story. Danny brilliantly puts <laughs> on his Instagram and has been doing this for a while. <laughs> a little like clip of Kathy Lee doing her signature segment from the today show where she would sing the uh, sing a song that she everyone wrote. has a story <laughs> but <laughs> she would do it she has a story she and would do it on the today show like 
a lot. You could tell it was like <laughs> mandated that she have that on the show as like I think part it was of weekly. being on the show. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I just try to splice the clip into my podcast a lot. And sometimes I get messages like, okay, enough with the, everyone has a story clip, <laughs> but I don't I, like every time I edit it in, it just makes me laugh. And I know it's annoying, but like, I don't give a shit. I think it's funny. So I just, well, I mean, the I reason why, the reason why Danny and I had the exchange with Kathleen Gifford is because on the last episode, we were talking about our coming out songs and my coming out song would be the carnival cruise line commercial theme song. <laughs> and, and so then I, when I tweeted that out, of course, whenever I tweet anything out that involves a woman over the age of 50, I, I CC Danny Pellegrino. <laughs> and, um, and so I did that and that's how we had that exchange. And she was chatting. She'll, she'll chat with people on Twitter and I yeah. love that about her. Yeah. Uh, she does seem to have like, shifted her ideals and her talking points. Like if you listen to interviews with her now, after she left the today show, she's much more religious than I think she even ever was on the, it's like been a big shift. There was even right when she left the today show, she did an interview with Hoda on Hoda's like serious XM. And it was like an aggressive switch where she was just praying on air. And I still love her, but it was, it was just (laughs) like, you can tell that Hoda like is not, uh, you know, a, a devout Christian. Oh, no, Hoda, Hoda doesn't talk about her religion because she is a journalist. Right. And you could tell, and whenever <laughs> Kathy Lee is like, sort of would bulldoze her with her Christian value, values, poor Hoda would have to be like, mm-hmm, yes, faith, <laughs> faith. <laughs> and it's, and it's such torture for Hoda, you could just tell. Well, speaking of um, people who became oddly very, very religious in their post-talk uh, show days, Elizabeth Hasselbeck going to The View. Um, oh. <laughs> she became insane. Recently, she had a thing where Megan McCain was talking to, I think, Andy Cohen or something about um, Elizabeth Hasselbeck being on the show at the start of the coronavirus saying, you know, we just oh, have yeah. to, we can, we can pray, pray it away. Pray it away. Pray it away. And wow. she became, she kind of did a 180 that after worked? The View. <laughs> exactly. Dude, she's... Well, she did do a 180. She did. She went. Oh, she did a 180. She became this like pre, she prays wherever she goes now, and it and became she went a very, to Fox News. I mean, of course, she goes to Fox News. But in that in that sort of video, I think you posted it, Danny, or maybe someone I saw it somewhere. But Elizabeth Hasselbeck was talking about um, she was responding to Meghan McCain, throwing shade at her about you know this these comments, and mm-hmm. I just think she's gone insane. I want to give Not, her take. And she she got mad at Meghan for Meghan said she won't do the View again with. Elizabeth Hasselbeck because she thought it was irresponsible that she said to just pray it away. And then Elizabeth went on her Instagram and she posted a video, which she's talking to her kid, which is off camera. And she's like, don't I always tell you to pray and Purell? And like, she does this whole bit about oh. praying and Purell. And then, then she, she like basically transcribed that video that she posted on her feed and wrote it in her stories, which was just so huh? weird. Yeah. It was like yeah. very obvious to me that it, she just wanted the attention or press or something. And you guys remember when she had that weird moment with Rosie recently? Yes. I remember. I I have a Google alert set up for Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I actually do. I have a Google alert set up for Rosie O'Donnell and Rosie's kids, Rosie's Broadway. I have Google alerts for all Rosie. (gasps) Wait, Hasselbeck's always been conservative, right? Yeah. She's always, she's always, well, you're just saying she's done a 180 on religion. Just to give Brent and maybe half all the listeners, probably a little background. (laughs) I say that with contempt. No, I don't. I say it with, because there's there's only three people on here who care this much about the view. Um, but uh, she, when she was on the show, sure she was conservative and a bit insane. But she she did tend to be a little bit more. She was like New York conservative in that, like she was okay with the yep. gays and she was progressive in some areas and she was able yep. to bend and have a conversation with a person who's pro choice, TV Republican. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then after the view, she became whoa, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, she Praying. also moved to Nashville, right? Or Tennessee or something. Yeah, I think I she think so. did. I think she did move to Nashville. Yeah. Can we can we talk about Megan McCain though for a second? Because <laughs> I I okay, I have to admit, I have another past guest on the podcast, Alaska Thunderfuck. Her and I text pretty regularly about our love of Megan McCain's outfits and um and her looks every single day on the view. Wait, what about what about them? Because they're incredible, Danny Pellegrino. They are. are they, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I even pay attention to this little detail. How do you now I'm trying not to think pay of what... attention to Megan McCain's amazing, flawless appearance on The View. She's the only one who puts herself together. Her and Sonny Hostin. Sonny. Sonny. Sonny does, but only when Sonny's in studio. Now she's fucking wearing sweats during the Rona. <laughs> like, at least Megan's putting on a barrette or something. She's putting herself together like a good Republican should. 
like also you I, can tell where Megan you can tell like Megan's exactly who Megan is by the background of her home, which is yeah. literally like the walls are sort of like a yellowish beige and there's a to- like a big framed american flag and that's all you see it looks, it looks like very the, colonial it looks like a colonial re- like colonial reenactment is her and her husband's like sexy times <laughs> you know what i mean like that's like In- meanwhile spoken by elliot who has a monster dream catcher in the background <laughs> of his bedroom by the way uh, <laughs> just i mean da- danny and brent are the only ones that have normal backgrounds <laughs> elliot and i have like ridiculous backgrounds here we're just in a weird corner if we were in any other corner of my apartment you'd see like a Rosie O'Donnell doll or something. Yes. Now I have to say, I speaking just going back to Megan McCain for a second. I I love Megan McCain. I, I I definitely don't like a lot of her politics, but I do love her. But I get into so much trouble whenever I tweet anything positive about Megan McCain, mm-hmm. usually about her clothes or her looks, and people come back at me with like you know, she's, she's hating on China. She's hating on yeah, whatever, right, like right. all these things. And I'm just like, I don't right. care. I am only here for the leopard print. Why are you yelling right, at me? Right. Like, well, people also like to connect yeah. to the fact that she's married to the editor of the federalist. Yeah. Yeah. Who's very, very conservative. Well, let me, well, let me ask you, Danny, like, do you, do you often get pushback when you happen to like, uh, perhaps a female Republican uh, or interview one on your podcast. There's definitely like certain people, even in the housewives world, there's a lot of people that are very divisive. And that I notice um, if I say anything or even touch on something, it's like more, I'm trying to think of who like uh, Bethany and LVP in the housewives world. Like if I even say anything complimentary about them, it's like an aggressive amount you get back. Um, And I don't know what it is exactly, but they're very divisive. And if you say something even a little bit negative or something, it's just like, it's not even, it it sucks all the fun out of it. And I always say Mm. like, we're watching these shows, they're ridiculous and insane. And then also when it comes to housewives with politics, particularly, I was, I mean, you, I think you can't really like, I believe that you have to take a step back because if you really get into the political uh, politics of these people, it's just, we'll suck off all the fun out of it. And so, but people, some people will say, how dare you like that housewife there? They voted for Trump or or whatever. And I'm like, do you know what show we're watching? Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Who, I who think, voted for Trump? The, uh, Ramona. Ramona. A lot Ramona. of the, <laughs> the New York. Yeah. I think a lot of the New York women, oh. you, this, the new housewife, Leah, actually, I, I don't, she didn't vote for Trump. I don't believe, but God, no. she did have some essays and I haven't even read them yet, but I just know because people have been sending me, she had like said some some things that were sort of political that people didn't like. Um, and I just, it's like, I've been, I feel like so many people are DMing me these stories and I'm, I'm just like, I can't like, I'll get too upset if I have to know about every one of their messy politics. And you, and you also had like last season on housewife a real Beverly Hills with Camille Grammer sort of, and the whole Supreme court justice debate that was happening around this, the me too, the stuff that was happening with that and her siding with him, the Supreme court justice and Lisa Rinna siding with the woman, and making the accusation that he she was sexually molested or, or raped by by this what's his name I forget his name now Kavanaugh Kavanaugh yeah um, and so like there are the politics but I will say like in Housewives world and I think Danny everything iconic podcast actually has like a unique place in that it's not a political podcast and like your your views on the political or the voting record of like Ramona or Sonia or Camille Grammer or whatever don't matter because that's sort of beside the point. And you probably have people who voted for Trump listening to your podcast because they love the housewives. Well, and I always tell people it's not, I'm not excluding politics or, or that side purposefully or to like have a bigger audience or anything like that. My opinion is that other people will talk politics much better than I ever could. And I also think it's important for people to have like an hourly escape to, you know, rejuvenate their senses or whatever, so they can just get away for an hour. And I, I also understand the argument against that. It's like, you have a platform you should talk about. And, you know, if, so, if I do feel strongly enough about something, I definitely will touch on it a little bit. But for the most part, I want people to be able to tune out the world. Like I'm someone who suffers yeah. from anxiety and depression and like, I need like the nanny or like one of uh, something mm-hmm. ridiculous that I can just tune out everything so that I can recoup. And, and then, you know, whatever. speaking of the nanny, what are your, what are your, what are the things that what is what is your televisual like comfort food what gives you solace when you need it most 
you know, uh, I like any kind of old sitcom like that. Uh, you know, yeah, any sort of comfort food movie. I love a rom com. I love, mm. uh, you know, I'm wearing a Nora Ephron shirt. Like I love a Nora Ephron, or uh, you know, even you love I, a Hallmark been, movie. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, yeah, I like Hallmark's politics are a little messy. That's and true. That can, <laughs> lately, this past holiday season, that got a little in the way of my enjoyment. Yeah, um, no. I love your but, Nora Ephron shirt. I remember when they were shooting Julia Julia by my work in New York. I would I left. And it was it was Amy Adams, and everyone was yelling for Amy Adams, and I was like the only one yelling for Nora Ephron. And it, it was it was a I shame. That was her last. I think that was yeah, her last. That was her last, last film. Yeah. I'm in a big '80s thing right now. I'm, I've been watching. I watched Terms of Endearment earlier today. I saw you. I can't. I, I Terms of Endearment is my favorite movie of all time. I've not. That's today was the first time I ever saw it. It that that yeah. makes me sad. But yeah, I know it was, I, it was an oversight. That movie is perfection and Shirley MacLaine, it was just her birthday. She shares a birthday with Barbara Streisand and they celebrate together <laughs> in non Rona times. Good. Yeah. I love, I love that movie so much. Baby boom is my sort of eighties go to movie for comfort food. What Wait, is, what is it? Baby boom. Oh, that's Classic. a good one too. That you is. know, all right, let me transition just for a second. Cause I'm always curious. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he lost us. Uh, like he's lost <laughs> on us right now. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, because we have, obviously we've been doing a podcast for years and it's always interesting how sometimes we have very good friends on the show that I think are going to be the best guests and they turn out to be, we just have kind of a strange dynamic with them the moment we start recording. And sometimes we have guests that I've, I don't know, or, or don't know very well or something, or I'm, we, I'm anxious about a certain dynamic and they're the, and they're the best. Have you ever had someone on your podcast that just like blew your mind, like totally exceeded your expectations? Yeah. I mentioned Kathy and Jimmy. She was one truly where I was like blown away. I was not expecting us to have such a deep conversation. Yeah. And then also, uh, uh Beverly D'Angelo, who, mm was um right. uh, uh Clark, the, um, national national, national like, in, in the vacation movies al pacino's ex let's be real okay all right I, I like went to her house which was the house she bought from danny um aiello why can't i think of the names right now ghostbusters um danny Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd. It was the house that he wrote Ghostbusters in. And she's like, oh, that's where he wrote Ghostbusters. But anyway, she just was someone who I kind of went into the interview thinking, oh, this will be a fun, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun. Uh, and then I left it and be like, we'll still text sometimes and stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. just like a, a, an unexpectedly wonderful conversation about all sorts of things. And, and I love knowing, I like industry stuff, pop culture wise. And she would tell me stories about how she would be on the set of, I think it was hair where they had to, to weigh her every day. Like she, mm-hmm. she had to get on a scale every single day she went to set because they didn't want her to gain any weight. You know, it was like that yeah, shit. Jesus. The things that women in particularly in the industry right. had to deal with and still do. But uh, it was just one a conversation. We just had a really good connection. And that, you know, you feel really good afterwards when, when you have a good guest like that or a good interview. Yeah. Has anybody ever blocked you on Twitter? <gasps> oh, um, there's like a housewife that has blocked me, but. Who? Who? Um, Kelly Judge. Tamara. And then Jax blocked me, but he blocks everyone. Jax from Vanderpump Rules, but I think he blocks everyone. (laughs) I got blocked by Nico Tortorella. Tortorelli. Tortorella. Mm, Do you know why? What did you say? Oh, yeah, I know why. Uh, (laughs) I I, um, called him out. Uh, the I uh, them called them out, Elliot. Them um, called them out. Um, I, the, the Nico did a sponsored post that was paid for by Verizon about sort of uh, trans identity and gender inclusion and gender non-binary stuff. All great stuff. But that was there was like it came a day after a black woman in a black trans woman had just been murdered. And he, uh, they were talking. Excuse me. They were talking about um, their sort of transness. That's what Nico quoted. That's a direct quote, transness. And I was really offended by that because there's a lot of, you know, trans women of color being murdered across the country. And to be able to be paid to talk about your transness in a very privileged way, I was like, are you going to donate your money to the Transgender Law Center? Are you going to do something with this? Are you going to acknowledge the epidemic that's happening right now? Are you going to do anything? It just felt very tone deaf. And ooh, they came after me. They they blocked me and then unblocked me to say something nasty back at me to then unblock to block me again. I mean, it was just sort of like an insane amount of you know. You know forth. who's been blocking people? Kirsty Alley. Oh yeah, I've been seeing that. <laughs> Wait, Why? I've seen that too. Why? Because she tweeted like support for Trump's agenda. 
mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the coronavirus, and people were like, oh, wow. "Are you kidding?" And she's been on a blocking spree, apparently. Okay. Wow. Well, <laughs> what else is she uh, doing? You know? Yeah. yeah. I know she's got something going on. Uh, what? Speaking of Nico, though, weren't people dragging Nico for their appearance on Drag Race? I didn't see. I didn't watch this past week, but I. I had yeah, read. there was there was a tweet that went pretty viral that said. Nico is the uh, Rachel Dolezal of the queer community. Yeah, I mean, there is a sense of sort of Nico is co-opting a queer narrative in a way to for financial benefit, I guess. And not that that doesn't say they aren't authentically queer in the way that they are, but it, there is sort of a showboating element to it where... Bless you, Brent. Bless you, Brent. Yeah, well, yeah, sorry. I, I, I don't know what to do. I no, you, you have to sneeze. Sneeze, it's fine. Now, see, now can, I, can I just stop us? If Kathy Lee were on this Zoom call, we would all say a prayer right now. It wouldn't just be a bless you. We would do a full-blown Everyone like, has scripture. a sneeze. Danny, I do want to talk to you about, um, speaking of uh, queerness, the recent, and Brent's going to be totally lost on this, but this is something that mm-hmm. anyone who watches Real Housewives, especially Beverly Hills, everyone is talking about. About this, the potential lesbian affair between the housewives, Denise Richards and Brandy, the last name, help me. Glanville. Glanville. Like, yeah. Can we, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I am so here for the first housewives lesbian. Is it real? I don't watch this, but is it real? So I do believe it's real. I just recently interviewed Brandy, like before all the lockdown stuff happened, uh, we did each other's shows. So I, we recorded for a while and I do believe it to be real now. Um, because we chatted a little bit, you know, even off air. I just, I believe it happened. And I'm very excited to see it play out on Beverly Hills. And what's really interesting about the current season is they're really breaking the fourth wall and we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, the shows being presented in a new way. And I, my personal belief is that they didn't have a whole lot other than that Denise thing. And so the only way to really get a whole season out of that was to kind of show some of the behind the scenes mechanics and it, uh, allegedly they're going to be showing like uh, Denise refusing to film we've seen in previews and, and saying mm. uh, there's this one clip they keep showing where she says, Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo. And she says it because that's sort of the way to get Bravo to not be able to use the footage. Like kind of, they're breaking mm-hmm. the fourth wall in the scene. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch it play out. And it seems like the Beverly Hills is like, fresher than ever right now. So I'm, I'm hopeful yeah. it will continue to be, but it's only been two weeks. So who's, who knows? It also feels like it's kind of feeding the beast in a way because there is this sort of voracious uh, queer audience of the Housewives chain franchise, but also just reality TV in general. And the, this sort of reactionary uh, response that, queer people specifically have to some of this reality TV and the housewives. I mean, the housewives are essentially drag race contestants in a way like they, they They they, really are. They're drag queens. They really are drag queens in a lot of ways. What is it about housewives specifically that like makes it so friggin' queer? I think it's a lot about watching women of a certain age show all the sides of themselves in the same way that I think something like golden girls or sex in the city is inherently queer. And I think, uh, housewives, we see women who are dealing with, uh, marriages, but also divorces and running businesses and, and sleeping around on New York city's franchise. For instance, most of them are single and they're, we see them flirting with dudes and having mm-hmm. sex with guys and, and covering it up. And, nowhere else on TV, even in the scripted world, do we see women who are 60 plus, you know, Ramona Singer, I think is 60, mm-hmm. you know, she's mid sixties maybe now. Yeah. And, and Luann is, I think in her fifties. And so we're seeing these women just kind of hook up and flirt with dudes and all that kind of stuff. And I just think, uh, gay men, we, I kind of relate to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed, um, Garcelle from Beverly Hills, like a couple of weeks ago. And like specifically to talk about being the first African-American Beverly Hills housewife in general and like the 10 years the show has been on the air and whether that was like a big deal. And then also going into this sort of idea that like in scripted television, women's roles sometimes are limited and there's only a few that are existing, but women 
particularly women of a certain age, dominate reality TV. They own it. There's men don't even are come nowhere close to the level of 50 plus women, you know, who are controlling reality TV. And you're right. It is really sort of a right playground for like women of a certain age. And they're playing roles too. And I think as time goes on, we're starting to see them referencing the fact that they're playing roles. I think Denise just recently, Denise Richards said in an interview, like it's supposed to be fun and entertaining, like in, Enjoy it. You know, I think that although they are showing the real life and crying on screen and all of these things, I think they're playing a role a little bit. And what kind of role is uh, someone like Denise Richards going to get that she can cry and she can make jokes? And I I don't know, kind of a three-dimensional thing. It is interesting. It it makes me... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, No, no. I was going to say with Garcelle, it's it's interesting. She's the first uh, African-American housewife in Beverly Hills. I get frustrated by the weird diversity issue on on Bravo where it's almost like our our franchises are segregated segregated, in weird ways. That's that's reality TV in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at, you you either have, like on VH1, the, the vast majority is sort of just like, I mean, they would call it urban reality TV, but it's primarily just black reality television that's happening. And 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 on the other Housewives franchises, it has to be like New Jersey. Have they ever had a woman of color in the cast? No. And it's like New Jersey no. is an incredibly diverse state. And it's like what? But they're but they're going for a certain pastiche. They're going for yeah. mafia Italian family ethics. You know, family values. Well, they're not looking to show diversity there. When New Jersey had a Siggy who was, uh, she was Jewish, Jewish. Yeah. like a big thing. Like I remember it was like a storyline at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was interesting. About, <laughs> yeah. About it. Finally, some of, representation in Hollywood <laughs> for <right>. Jews. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there's, we haven't, there hasn't been an uh, LGBT housewife, I guess. No, that's crazy. Brandy identifies as bisexual, but. Well, I, and Erica's probably had a moment or two. Right. And um, Lisa Rinna has done everything. We know this. <laughs> like Lisa Rinna won't not do something. Did you guys see Lisa Rinna like posted an Instagram where she was in her bathtub and she had a green face mask on mm-hmm. and she said, I, she was trying to say I look like Alphaba from Wicked, but she said I look like Hectaba or something. <laughs> She's the John Travolta of the housewives. Oh, man. I think it was like Hectaba. I don't even have to look it up, but it when, was like so weird. When we, we were watching the first episode of Beverly Hills, that last shot of Denise Richards with the green screen and the smirk, Michael immediately was like, oh, She's doing Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like, literally, she was doing the face from Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's insane. Wow. Danny, thank you so much for being here. And um, obviously, everyone can listen to you at Everything Iconic. But anything else you'd like to plug? No, no. I mean, well, I I should say order fancy AF cocktails. It's a cocktail book. It's 80 plus cocktail recipes. And if you're in quarantine and you want to spice up your drinking, it's a great book to get for for cocktails. Perfect for right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be a repeat guest. I love talking to you guys all the time. So yeah, thank you, thank thank you so much. You'll Danny. be a repeat guest again. Don't worry. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you. And another thing. So piggybacking on the the Graham tweet discussion, I was thinking over the the uh, the course of the week about like what kind of behavior or rhetoric raises anti-gay red flags in your mind without, right? Uh, (laughs) As it should, you should should instinct instinctively think of anti-gay rhetoric when you hear me, hear my name. Uh, But anyway, so, but I'm trying to say, I, I have a phrase, it's called undercover homophobia. And what kind of rhetoric or behavior do you associate with being homophobic without it, explicitly being homophobic and one could even argue is flatly not homophobic so i think the opening example i give is whenever someone uses the word homosexual to refer to gay people and and mass um it's really truly by no means inherently bigoted but it sort of represents this almost like scientific standoffishness with our (laughs) community and like when i hear homophobic uh, i'm sorry when i hear homosexuals i'm always like it feels like I'm watching like a 1950s PSA. Yeah. And so have you, do you guys have like your own like examples of that? I would, but before we get into that, one thing that I was thinking when I read this was Mm. I think the word, because sometimes people can say things that feel homophobic, but you know that they're not, anti-gay or homophobic and it's it's just ignorant so i think like and homophobia to me is like someone who is anti-gay like that's what absolutely absolutely i think more so the word should be like that that 
language that screams ignorance in whatever way. And I I would like to stress that this conversation, if we touch upon something that one of our listeners has done or does, does it, you know, I wanted to be an open discussion about whether, whether you think I'm crazy for thinking Mm -hmm. this. And so this is by no means an indictment of anyone who I would guess none of our listeners use the term homosexual, but you never know. (laughs) Uh, Well, I always, Brent and I always talk about, uh, Wheel of Fortune because we both watch it and I was on it when I was a kid and there's something so inherently um, undercover homophobic about the way Pat Sajak interacts with contestants who are gay mm-hmm. like the moment that a man or it's a woman incredible. mentions their partner or a man mentions his husband or a woman mentions his, her wife or they talk about adopting kids it looks like Pat it like like the 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 buttons of his shirt are going to pop open. And so there's just something he's so unsettled, and he almost yeah. goes silent. Like there's yeah. never he doesn't treat them the same. And to me, I'm just like you are so. Ugh, there's something in there that's so monstrous. And I think, but I think the funny thing about that is that everyone knows Pat Sajak is like a very famous Hollywood Republican. Yeah. He specifically lives in. I don't Annapolis. think everyone knows that. I don't think everyone. Knows oh, maybe that. not. Yeah, I don't think everyone knows that either. Yeah. He specifically lives in Annapolis because he likes to live near like the mill. Military. Near the military. He's a, he's a total perv. He's a total weirdo. But and really, if you really want to be perv, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's beaten off. He's beaten off in his, in oh, his yeah. mansion in Annapolis. But but I, I think if you really did like a study, you probably would find that he doesn't treat gay contestants that much differently. But I just think it's because he's Republican combined with just how stilted and uncomfortable all of those introductions are on wheel. I just, think I don't know. Probably... He's, he's, he's not as he's, he's a lot more lenient and willing to like, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, joke around or whatever with, with straight contestants with it's mm-hmm. always, it's not that he's, it's just with the gay contestants. He almost always says nothing the moment they mention a partner, but especially right, right. when they mention adopting a child. Adopting a kid. And there's been like a few recently. There's yes. been a few recently, and he just he doesn't say he, good luck. He, he doesn't he just, say that's wonderful. He buries himself in his cue card, and he says, but he's how like, does yeah, he you, "You play golf. You play golf." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How does he respond to people who straight people who have kids who were just had oh, a kid? Or anything? I think I mean, that's is nice. it is it is it that dramatic of a difference that you notice? I think that's what I'm arguing is that I don't, I don't ultimately think it is, but I think I'm being, Oh, because you're, yeah, uh, you're being too sensitive. sensitive to it. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me too. But, but I, it's, but it's, perhaps, I think it's I there. Know. I mean, I, I yeah. don't, I tend to, I mean, yeah, there are, there are certain things that like certain language that can be used that screams sort of homophobia. But like, for me, I remember an instance once years ago, this was like in New York and I was doing a show and this comic, I'll tell you guys after we stop recording who mm. it was, um, there was this comic who I did something on comedy central and they then said to me, Oh, I guess they, they needed diversity. And I, oh, yikes. Yeah. I remember hearing that being like, mm, boy, well, I actually, there's another instance that happened with you, Brent, not with you, but about oh, you, okay. where this was before I knew you. I've told you this story before, um, where I was going to say, I got uncomfortable. All right. It, go ahead. It's where like, <laughs> I, I think I, I remember I, this. Yeah. I was doing a show in New York, uh, like probably 2006, I don't know, seven. And I, um, I, this comic came up to me. I didn't know you yet. So it had to have been like 2006, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, this comic came up and was like, oh, there's this other, there's this gay comic. You would love him. You'd never know he's gay. And I, <laughs> as soon as he said that, I immediately was like, well, why is that a good thing? Like, why, why, why is that something that like you pinpoint in your head to tell me as a gay person that a, mm-hmm. it's a good thing that someone doesn't come off as gay? And it's not homophobic. It, I mean, it is, I suppose, but the person isn't homophobic. He was, he's a yeah, very kind right, man right. and good person. And he accepted me and put me on a lot of shows. And so he's not yeah, homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but the right. language is homophobic and ignorant. And so like stuff like that. Problematic. It's problematic. You know, I, yeah. Oh, Ellie, go ahead. I was going to say like, I still, when somebody says homosexual, you know, that's the same like, chilling of chill, uh, bone chilling effect uh, i get the same bone chilling effect when i hear somebody nowadays say uh, alternative lifestyle which you hear oh, less yikes. often of course yeah it's not yeah. Big still deal. alternative yeah. lifestyle or the term um partner i, j- I mean i know ever a lot of people like to say partner but straight people like it my mom loves saying partner i know yeah. and something about it just chills me to the bone and uh even now like tolerance when somebody talks about tolerance i'm like I don't need to be tolerated. Like, or an I don't ally. Want to be tolerated. I, yeah. I, I, an ally. 
I hate myself because when I uh, worked at my first job out of college, I was very political there. And just so you know, I made sure that they included added sexual orientation to their non-discrimination policy. I tried, I tried, I tried gender identity, but they rejected it at the time. Oh, so wow. just so you know, well wow. ahead of my time, but either way, uh, I would make everyone, or I, I wouldn't make, but I would always use the word partner <laughs> around the office. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, you are such a faggot Brent. Shut up. I never Just got, say, I, like, I mean, oh. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, Opposed to the word partner, I really have no yeah, problem. Yeah, I, I, nor am I, but, but it's still. I, it, would, it wouldn't be something that I don't think I would ever use. Like, I don't see an instance where I would ever use it. You know well, what I mean? Especially not now, because you, you can get married. I mean, but there is a moment, too, where, like, like, I don't give a fuck about marriage. I don't care about getting married. It's not something that's important mm-hmm. to me. But there is a moment where, like, 20 years down the line, like, am I going to be a 50-year-old you know, calling Michael, my boyfriend, like my that, lover, my yeah. lover, like that, that's, that's a moment where the language does become kind of murky to me. And then yeah. I wonder like, do I then adopt this? Does, does longevity mean you change language? I don't know. So the other, uh, the last example that, that I thought was an interesting one and probably a little bit more on the fence is that I have a very good friend who I know is a very liberal, open-minded guy Alan, you're petting your cat and you're not listening no, to me right now. I am listening. I am. No, listening. you're petting your cat. Now, uh, <laughs> so my, my, I have a good friend who's very open-minded, uh, but he also once said to me, he would never go to a gay bar. Mm. And huh. it wasn't from the angle of like, I would never go because it's your space. He would just be like, I don't want to go to, I just don't want to go to a gay bar. And it was always interesting because I was like, I, I genuinely respect, and I, I mean this sincerely, I respect that there are a lot of people that are, great liberal or not even liberal, but open-minded. It doesn't matter. And good, decent, honest people that just don't want to get, go to a gay bar. That to me is, I don't want to go to a gay fine. bar. Right. Right. Yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of waiting for someone to say that, yeah. but like there was, but I still can't help in my head when he said it being like, what, why would you not want to go to a gay bar? I don't know. And it, it, like, was I being, totally well, what was his reasoning? Why, why, yeah, what was, it's, it's, it's what's behind the, I, the, I, the I think his reasoning was that like, you know, it's a lot of gay men and I'm not gay and I don't, maybe I don't want to get hit on. I don't remember his exact, uh, I don't remember his exact rationale. To but. me, it makes me think of me being like, I don't, I don't want to, or need to go to a strip, like a strip bar for of like, you know, with, with, with like topless dancers and stuff. Like I don't need to, I don't need to go. And I probably I don't want to go, but you're not going to not go. No, I, no, I'm, I'm not ruling it out, but it's yeah. just, I probably would never go. Whereas I, I feel if, like Brent's friend is saying he wouldn't go to a gay bar. Like, like he refused. He like would not go. I mean, I think on some level, it reminds me actually, there's this new show on HBO called we're here, you know, and it's uh, it's like, it's host. It has like some of the drag race Queens on it. And, but one story in particular, the, the father, a very accepting father in this very conservative Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, very conservative town mm-hmm. and the kids doing drag for the first time. And uh, they want to sort of incorporate the family into sort of the act because it'll help the kid feel more loved and accepted and, and seen, you know? And the dad's like, I won't ever do drag. I won't ever do that. I won't participate in that. And he's very adamant about it, but not like in a mean way. He just won't do it. And it, there is a level of sort of like the kids accepted, but not fully sort of embraced. But over the course of the episode, the dad does kind of come around within his own way and embraces it and, and doesn't necessarily do full drag, but he like, there's some makeup done and like a hair sure. things happen. Like he gets involved. So that the, the producers son, work their magic. Yeah. yeah well, but you. so the you. sun, so that the sun feels seen in a way. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, that kind of made me, it made me think that, that your friend's story made me think of that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I have no ending. See you later. Bye. <laughs> What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? My favorite thing about Pat Sajak are his political beliefs. <laughs> she would say that. Uh, my aunt Joanne would say, you know, if Lindsay wants to be put to, uh, hooked up with a, a nice Jewish girl, I could try something out. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My aunt Anne would say, you know, I knew a librarian once who ran away with another woman. She left her husband. I'm not... Totally sure how that relates to the episode, but I miss her. 
Because <laughs> she's thinking of Brandy Glanville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But well, she wouldn't remember. She wouldn't remember that moment. Mm, that's, that's right. True. That's right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Elliot Glazer. Thanks. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm Lisa Vanderpump. Thank <laughs> you.